You're listening to The Real Enneagram Podcast, a spiritual quest, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Welcome back to a podcast entitled The Real Enneagram. A spiritual quest. Thank you for joining us today. We have a wonderful podcast planned. We have with us today myself, Erica Jobes, the wonderful Dr. Joseph Howell, and a special guest that I'm excited about. We have Gladys Schaefer with us today. How are you, Gladys? I am great, and I'm so glad to be here. I'm honored to be Mm -hmm. asked to come and talk with y'all. I always love just being in your presence. Mm -hmm. So how are you doing, Dr. Howell? I'm doing well, and welcome, Gladys. Thanks for coming. You're a longtime student of ICB and a dear friend as well. She sure is. Gladys, tell us a little bit, just so the listening audience kind of knows your background. I know, tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now. Well, right now, what I was working on right before I came was playing with a little grandson. (laughs) I have 12 grandchildren, which is wonderful on one end of the spectrum and while he was napping I was working on a paper for my doctorate (laughs) so um, thinking about looking at supreme court cases in legal education and what is coming down the pipeline and last week I was at the state department of education at the meeting on Thursday and working on an assignment as a governor's appointee. Wow, very good. So and you have a specialty, or, or you've worked with what in the past oh. that you're, you know a lot about. My focus has been in the area of reading. Reading is something that I fell in love with early, and it just took me to other places and was a, just a, an essential part of my life. I've always loved to learn. So the short story is I have six children, and my youngest child had trouble learning to read. Very, very intelligent girl that just couldn't learn to read. So we delved into this area called dyslexia, Mm -hmm. a specific learning disability that is unexpected in origin. It's neurobiological in origin. So that started when Molly was nine, and she's in her mid-20s now, and she became the first Fulbright scholar of her university, University of North Alabama. So during this decade and a half, I have uh, become an expert in dyslexia and been part of, very gratefully part of a policy change in our state government Mm -hmm. and the passage of the Alabama Literacy Act, where the hopes and dreams are that every child in Alabama will be able to learn to read. Yeah. Wow. Well, Molly, your daughter, the one that you were speaking of, happens to be a favorite of mine. She is also an egotype eight, explosive, brilliant, great sense of humor and we often text back and forth about funny things that we tend to have to deal with as being uh, female eights in the south so I just I really love her and she is brilliant so well thank you for letting us know a little bit about yourself I think that'll help at least some of our listeners understand where you're coming from and some things so um, I'm always just amazed at Gladys because she identifies, self-identifies as an egotype nine, and she is the picture of peacefulness and acceptance. When you're in her presence, you feel very loved and accepted, 
And of course, she has a wonderful sense of humor, so she always makes me feel like I'm funny. Um, (laughs) And no, we just really have a great time together. And I'm always just really impressed with how much she's always doing, but always seems so, you know, like she's got a handle on it all. So we're really appreciative of your time here tonight, Gladys, because I know you're a very busy lady because you have 100 billion children and grandchildren (laughs) besides your pursuit of a doctorate and also working with state government and policy change and reading and that sort of thing. So, well, Dr. Howell, you mentioned that you specifically wanted to try to get Gladys to join us on a podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, because I know that Gladys, as a nine egotype, has understood the trap that most egotype nines fall into, which is lethargy, sloth, putting themselves down, debasement, and altogether just sort of getting mired down in the warm, comfortable quicksand that really can eat us up. And it doesn't spit us out. (laughs) And over the years, I've spoken with Gladys about this. And then I watched her grapple with getting her ego type, which was not easy for Gladys. She struggled with that. And I'm always very respectful of people who take time in deciding their ego type and don't go with a test or with somebody else's typing of them. ICB teaches that typing is sacred and that it really can only be done by the person themselves. And so many of us watched Gladys struggle with that. But when she came to terms with it and announced what her ego type was, she was very, very quick to try to make that journey to her essence, which, of course, is at point three on the Enneagram. So I was just hoping that tonight Gladys could share with us and the listening audience some of that migratory journey and also what changes have been occurring in her life what has she woken up to and what advancements has she been able to make by liberally living in the space of three Mm, that's a big tall question so (laughs) when did you first meet us Gladys what was going on I have a hilarious story about how I wandered in and I truly give God the glory the divine just led me I was online, on the computer, looking for a business thing for my tutoring, dyslexia therapy. And I thought, oh, you know, like the welcoming place. Okay. So then that led me, as I Googled, to the welcoming, the welcoming prayer, which led me to a centering prayer practice. And I went locally to a conference on that. And somewhere in that, I heard about the Enneagram. And so I went back to my computer. You know, this is probably over a three or four month time. And I Googled Enneagram Birmingham. And 
the Institute for Conscious Being was having a conference at All Saints in Homewood, which I just couldn't believe because everything I'd looked at before was, it was all over the U.S. And that was 20 minutes from my house. So I signed up because I knew I needed help. I was, you know, just past 50, maybe 53 or 54 when we first all met. And after I registered, I found out that a colleague was also going to come, and that that made it a little bit easier. But I really felt like I am going to go do this thing because I have to do it. And I first came to a conference at All Saints, and at those wonderful conferences, which ICB still holds, and I just went was able to go to one here at the end back at Camp McDowell, and I plan to go to the one in November, and everybody else should too. I went to all the different tables because I thought that maybe I was a two, a helper. I have a sense when somebody needs something. And so I sat at the two table and that just didn't quite feel right. So then I wandered over to the six table and there were lots of things going on there that I did agree with. But I mean, because I sometimes can disintegrate straight to a six from a nine. But then I sat down at the nine table with Melanie Rogers and I felt at home there. And it was a struggle. And actually, Erica had a conversation a little bit after that. And Joe, Dr. Howell, years too, of what is the motivation of what I do? Because our actions can look a lot alike. When somebody walks in a room and hands you a cup of coffee because your coffee is empty, is it because I want you to see me as somebody that you need? (laughs) Or is it just the world is not quite right because you are out of coffee? And so while our actions are the same, that is what motivates me. I don't do things to make you love me. I don't, I mean, I like being loved, but I don't, it's not a give and take like that for me. It is the world is better when you have what you need. And so that goes straight into, you know, the trap of a nine is we can be very busy. And when I first heard about nines and with the passion of sloth, and I thought, no way, I am so busy. (laughs) But what I learned from ICB is, and it took a while to do this, it's I can be sensitive to others, but I have been asleep to myself. At that point, I'd been asleep to myself for almost five decades. Wow. Well, what when you say you were asleep to yourself, what, what did you first realize that you needed, that you were asleep to? Mm-hmm. What came up came first? You know, it, it, I guess I asked that because in our waking up to consciousness, there's so many layers. Do you remember so the first one? many layers. Well, no, I just bebopped on down. <laughs> At the end of the conference, they ask if you're interested in a commitment to the training, and I, I absolutely was. I, You know, it was like a starving person, mm. and I had found where the bread was, mm-hmm. which, you know, we all, and I just knew I needed it. We had recently lost a grandchild to Potter's syndrome and had walked with our daughter and our son-in-law with that, and I was suffering. Mm-hmm. And I did not know how to heal myself, my dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. And there had been others, but this one was the real mm-hmm. point where I just knew I had to go mm-hmm. go on this journey, even though I didn't know what the journey was. Mm-hmm. I've witnessed, like, like Dr. Howe has, I've witnessed you kind of coming alive in a lot of ways. But that's not always easy, is it? Oh, my goodness, no. Oh, my goodness, no. I was thinking about this, and as a perfect example of what living a busy nine life, 
because we really can think back to our 20s and our 30s, and boy, we were in the height of our ego fixation at that time. And as I was thinking about this podcast specifically, my first job out of college was working for the Internal Revenue Service. Now, what little girl grows up saying, I want to work for (laughs) IRS and knock on people's doors and have everybody hate you and work on taxes? But in reflection, I I had an accounting major and an English minor. And even at that time, I said I was an accounting major to make a living and an English minor to have a life. Because I loved literature, I loved mm-hmm. reading, but I was afraid, totally, you know, down to the six and all the awful things. And do anybody relate to that, Dr. Howell? <laughs> Absolutely. So the IRS, um, and I interviewed very widely, and and even in college, I was president of the business fraternity, and you know, I was a leader. There were places where I very much enjoyed that. But they were the first ones to offer a job. So I was hired in February, and I didn't care who they were. (laughs) I just wanted to have that security. So that's a nine at the height. (laughs) So, you know, coming on to the, in my 50s, where I I met you guys, I came to the first intensive, and I was just a sponge. I was just a sponge. And I began to believe that maybe my dreams really could come true, that my dreams really were important. And there was something that had been calling me for a long time, and that was to work on a doctorate. And I thought, well, one day, or maybe, or... And being with ICB and waking up to consciousness, I thought, I'm going to apply. I'm going to take that diligent next step and start applying, start looking for programs. And I was recently in a meeting with other educators, and there was a girl about in her late 40s, and she was thinking about a doctor. I said, you have to do it. You have to just do that one next step. Go, you know, see what you would apply for. And so I got my acceptance at Camp McDowell. <laughs> the email never works at Camp McDowell. <laughs> we were over in one part, and for some reason it did. And I ran upstairs, and I told my small group, <laughs> Eric was my mentor, and I said, I just got accepted to my doctorate and to a program. And that was one of the big waking up, Mm -hmm. to put me first and and to listen to what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm about three years in. I'm a a semester away from starting the dissertation. So that is very exciting. Yeah. You mentioned the word was not important that your dream or something to that effect was not important. Can you give us some insight on where that came from? You know, I think for me, my original wounding was early on. My dad was an alcoholic, and our woundings come in lots of different places, but just a real learning that I needed to just be quiet (laughs) and that everybody's peace was most important. And then, you know, going from there. um, It's been for you going from there and realizing that, you know, growing up in a household where you have an alcoholic and you want to keep the peace and you don't want anybody to get upset 
And then from there to go straight into marriage, and then you're busy with so many children and all of their needs. And I mean, you have so many children, and so <laughs> there's so many needs. And so I'm sure it was easy for you to really get lost in all of the activity of all of the needs of all of the children and the husband. And, you know, I know you were always very active in church and what the church needed. I mean, so I can see how you probably just completely lost yourself in that whirlwind in, I guess, the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And then, of course, you know, for so many of us, you know, you have a a really significant loss and you Mm -hmm. think, wait a minute, you know, this isn't working. Something's off. And for you, that was the loss of that grandchild. And I I think my time in church filtered through my nineness Mm -hmm. was my voice wasn't important, mm-hmm. but the other person first. Right. And that love your neighbor as yourself, I heard as love your neighbor. Right. And that's how I interpreted it. And so that's what I was very busy doing. And many churches in the South, you know, really, and I'm not saying your church, but many churches, uh, that's what women hear as your voice isn't important. You know, the man's voice is important, you know, and we need to subordinate ourselves and be quiet. And being a Southern female, we often, I'm sure your nineness kind of just easily went that way. You know, you play your role as mom and do it well and keep quiet and move on, you know. You know what I think was also very instrumental in this and the timing of it all is by the time we lost Austin, Hope and Thomas's baby, to Potter Syndrome, all of my children were adults. And they were doing some pretty amazing things. My oldest daughter is working on her PhD in counseling. My son is an engineer. I mean, I could go on and on. (laughs) You know, there's six of them. They're all perfect. (laughs) They really are. I love them. And their spouses are. You know, seeing them begin to live their lives and live their dreams inspired me. Mm -hmm. That I had a responsibility to wake up and do what I needed to do as a model to them, not not in a subordinate way, but as an authentic way. I mean, I know that this work, Dr. Howell, your work, your book, the work of the faculty and the community, just being in our community is strengthening. There's something about when we can gather together, which is, you know, a biblical principle. And this year, whether it's been Zoom or whatever, to, to, to walk amongst people who are seeking that authenticity, who are doing the work, whose lives are changing, it gives me strength. And, and I think of one of the things I've learned about is just how trees operate and how their roots are connected with mitochondria. And in our last conference together, Reverend Bacon was sharing about the canopy of trees and how they communicate. And it was such a beautiful truth, but an analogy for me that that is exactly how I feel, that I really wasn't Gladys Schaefer getting a doctorate. It was one of us Mm -hmm. is going to fulfill her destiny and the community is there Mm -hmm. to hold me up. Mm -hmm. Well, I noticed, too, you mentioned that when you went through training, you were in my mentor group. Yes. And we had a pretty good mentor group. But I remember you were so quiet in the beginning. And <laughs> and then, you know, honestly, towards the end, you really were taking others under your wing and helping guide and mentor them in your own way. 
in a lot of ways, I could sit back and let you fill in the gaps that were needed because you had really found your voice. And I think maybe a realization that you had something to offer and something to say and, and a way to be helpful. Do, do you agree with that? Well, it's, I'm going to say thank you. <laughs> we were working on that at our nine table at our conference just now. Yes, finding my voice. Mm-hmm. Being, you know, as a nine, I've been asleep to my body. And really working on diligent action and all of that and listening to what I need. And being in a community where you're valued and... It is amazing. Like, just this past weekend, we were all together, or the weekend before, I shared, just standing up introducing, I shared a couple of books I was reading, and later I saw a faculty member's book, and he had written down one of the books I was reading, because he wanted to go read it. And I don't know if I've ever been in such a community that values each other. Mm -hmm. And that's the place I want to live. Not just us, but I want... That is the new litmus test. Am mm-hmm. I in relationship with people who are willing? Mm-hmm. And how can I encourage them? Mm-hmm. And I think by being authentic to myself, I know living in relationship with you guys and seeing you all be authentic help me. So I feel almost a calling mm-hmm. and a responsibility to continue this work in myself, mm-hmm. not just for my good, but for the world's good. Yeah. Good. Well, your soul knows how valuable you are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, and when you get around other people that just really, I guess, bring awareness to that, it probably resonates really deeply with you. You know, it's, it's easy, I guess, for the nine to look to others and to, you know, merge mm-hmm. with the opinions or what others want to do, but like to to come to the place where you realize I know what I want right and I, and what I want is valuable what I want to do mm-hmm. is valuable mm-hmm. you know that's that's really something so like what you want is important mm-hmm. and did I hear you say that if you kept it unimportant then there would be no conflict oh that is definitely yes that is definitely the way I've lived my life if I can be quiet and not cause any ripples, and everybody is quote unquote happy, but it, they're not really. It's not. It's a disservice to them, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm learning. And there's a cost to being an unhealthy nine. One of the things that's good about us or about our character is that we have a positive spin. Mm-hmm. We can take any situation and just automatically go. Well, let me tell you the good part about that. <laughs> But the cost of that is the gap between something has happened that has bad consequences and you miss that grief space and you do that enough, it eventually kills you. So you have to give space to that. The positivity is fine, but to go back and, and give space to, okay, let's just sit here for a minute in reality and feel the pain. Don't stop the pain, but feel it. And be there. And then there are good things. Mm-hmm. But living in reality, you know, that's the big thing. Learning to live in reality instead of this cloud of being sure everybody's okay. Because that means I'm trying to be God in their lives. And that, that is a disservice to them. Wow. 
Well, I imagine the positive outlook stuff is great when we're talking about what's for dinner. Exactly. <laughs> but when it comes to something that's deeper, you know, loss, pain, struggle, conflicts within relationships, if we positively spin everything, we miss the opportunity to grow from that struggle. Right. You know, and you don't want to downplay what others are going through by putting a positive spin on everything because then that lessens what they're dealing with or what you're dealing with you know it's like again the self-abasement but Mm -hmm. at a larger level and I imagine as a mom that could have been part of it too you know oh you're okay you're okay when maybe they need to hear you know you're not okay we're gonna work on it exactly exactly And it's so great to learn this after they're all grown up. It's so great because the grandchildren are there and you can start uh, holding those grandchildren and mm-hmm. play with their, you know, and allow them to be mad and sad and, mm-hmm. you know, allow them to express every everything. I think the other thing I'm learning, and this is a, just an ongoing process. I will never leave ICB <laughs> and this, this group and just the work that's happening in the world with this is that what I've learned just recently is I have focused on, are you okay? Is, is he okay? Is she okay? And not ask myself, am I okay? Mm-hmm. And give my space, myself the scary space of when I'm not okay. Well, what do you do when you're not okay? When, you've, when you're awake and you realize I'm not okay. <laughs> Sometimes I cuss, Erica. <laughs> oh, I don't believe it. Start trying to live into that space. Hey, I am not okay with this. I'm in a a situation right now professionally where I'm at eight wing. Some people that I love and respect are not being cared for. You know, they're being uh, played down. And I'm like, I am going to have to go make people uncomfortable to point out the injustice of of this situation. Mm -hmm. And you know, it takes my breath away a little bit <laughs> because I've been spending all these decades. Mm-hmm. I would love to be a fly on the wall. Yes, it's not going to be pretty. I really would. I would but just love it. it's needed. Yeah. It's needed. Yeah. And trusting that I can do it. Mm-hmm. I bet you'll be great at it. I mean, you bring in, <laughs> in the mediation of the nine, you know, but yes. also the justice of that eight wing. And I think you'll probably do really well. But it's it's amazing, though, for you to, instead of just you know sweeping that under the rug you're going to address it which that's being conscious and that's awakening to your voice Mm -hmm. and what you know is right that diligent next action of what you know is right so have you found doing this work in community I mean I know you've said this a bunch of times but you know this this work is hard to do solo it is I don't know if I I I know I wouldn't be at this space Mm -hmm. if I was trying to do this work alone Mm -hmm. because by being with other people you can often you know you of course we point things out to each other and of course especially that your value and and that sort of thing but and we know that people you can do it alone it's just imagine it would just be a lot more difficult to to do that this is way more fun I mean, it's way more fun because we have such a sense of humor mm-hmm. and compassion, and I'm learning self-compassion. And the gift of the nine, as we move into the three especially, is that we really can see all sides. Even in this situation, in a professional manner, I can see the person who's doing the hurting is hurt herself mm-hmm. and how to, how to walk through that and mediate toward a greater good, mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. worth the battle of waking up. 
mm-hmm. and using my voice and uh, valuing mm-hmm. that I am seeing something that needs to be fixed and I'm the one to at least start this process. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's good stuff. Gosh. What would you like, and this has been a great podcast, what would you like to say to other ego type nines that are beginning this journey of understanding what ego type they are and what what journey they're looking towards? What would you say? Well, self-compassion is going to be very important. Diligent action is going to be very important. Being in community, a true community that values you, that values your voice, that asks you what you want for dinner and what do you want your doctorate to be in or your whatever it is for you. Research, immerse yourself in Dr. Howell's book and the podcast, but also learn because you what you find out is you awaken in a manner that is like the unfolding of a, of a fern or I think about a flower opening up and waking up and it's just a little bit of time so lots of great compassion and a good community mm-hmm. great wow well well said gladys yeah. thank you well, it's been a joy getting to know you and and it's an honor to call you my friend now so thank you for joining us Thank you, Gladys. Thank you both. It's been wonderful. Dr. Howell, thank you for joining us as well. I've enjoyed it very much, Erica. Thank you. And uh, thank Lark for letting us borrow you for this amount of time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to our listeners, thank you for joining us. And if you have any questions or comments, please contact us. Our email is therealenneagram at gmail.com. Or you can find us at theicb.org. That's our website. And it has upcoming conferences and upcoming trainings. It also has a place where you can sign up to get Dr. Howell's daily prayer. Also, Dr. Howell, we have a conference coming up at Beckwith can you tell us where that's located? Camp Beckwith is located in Baldwin County, Alabama, and it's very near the magical town of Fairhope okay. on Mobile Bay. The camp itself is on another little bay called Weeks Bay, and it's an absolutely beautiful spot. The conference is open to all, and uh, all you have to do is call Camp Beckwith. The date is November 12th through 14th, and special accommodations have been made. This is a very affordable conference with room and board. So a lot of us are looking forward to this and getting to know some people on the beautiful Gulf Coast. And the, and the title of the conference will be Unlock Your Soul. Is that right? Absolutely. Okay, so anybody that's looking to learn about the Enneagram and to learn ways to unlock their soul, Dr. Howell will be a speaker at this conference as well as some of our wonderful faculty members. So it's going to be a good one, and it's going to be in a really beautiful space. So, uh, again, you can go to our website to uh, get more information about that, and we, uh, we welcome all, as Dr. Howell said. So I guess we'll end on that note. All right. Okay. Thank Thank you, you. Dr. Howe. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. That wraps up another episode of The Real Enneagram, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. 
If you're interested in furthering these conversations, please reach out to us through our Instagram at the real Enneagram. Or if you're interested in our upcoming trainings or other resources, please visit our website, www.instituteforconsciousbeing.org. Thanks for listening.